Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Southside today, and happy new year to you as we get ready to bring in a new year. Wow, 2023's ending. These things seem, the older you get, the faster they seem to happen. It's weird that it goes that way, but as we get ready to enter 2024, can you even believe that? 2024, here it comes, and so tomorrow for me, I don't know about y'all, I go to bed early on New Year's Eve because I got I got pork chops tomorrow my mama's cooking. She gonna make some turnip greens, some black-eyed peas, some rutabagas, some mac and cheese. Come on, somebody, and some cornbread. Come on. It's great stuff. If you're going to start a diet, don't start it at the Williams house on New Year's Day. It better come the second, all right, because it's going to be good eating tomorrow. I don't know if it's ever, you know, turned into money and change, but I sure like turnip greens and black-eyed peas. Why I'm talking to you about that, I have no idea, but I am I am excited about it. It's my favorite meal of the year. But I also like the first day of the year for an entirely different reason. Because to me, it's like a fresh start. I love making New Year's resolutions. I like trying to keep them. I like having boxes to check and plans to make and trying to hold myself accountable to them. I'm competitive and I try to beat myself. If I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to try to lose 30 pounds in a day or a week, but it's going to, you know, I'm convinced I can make it happen, but it's just the new year. It's a, I know it's just another day. It's just the Monday that comes after Sunday, but something in my mind clicks and it's like, it's the start of something new. You get to reset, refresh, do something to begin anew. And, and I think that's so true also when it comes to God, because every day is a brand new day. It's never been used before. And God in His grace, every day that you get to wake up is another day that you and I get to make it right. Now, we're going to fail in our own strength and power, and if we're reliant on ourselves, as we talked about last week, you'll fail in that. But when we learn to rely on God, to put our faith and trust in God, and when we respond when God speaks... When we, when we believe when God moves, then when God calls, we're ready to act. And something that I believe about grace is that God's grace is form-fitted for your every moment of need. It's form-fitted. God's grace is form-fitted for you today. And He's ready. He is ready for you to say yes Today can be a brand new start. Tomorrow can truly be a brand new year. When you realize and acknowledge and act on the fact that God's grace is form-fitted for your every moment of need. See, when God speaks, we're to listen. When God moves, we are to believe so that when God calls, we're ready to follow. And when we follow, God unleashes His amazing grace in and through our lives. Long ago, God made a promise. He made a promise that he intended to keep, and that's exactly what he did. Today, he's inviting you and me to be a part of that promise and believe that he 
can do the impossible in us, with us, and through us. Today, when God calls, when God calls, we get to acknowledge, accept, and act on what He has asked us to do. When God calls, we acknowledge. What do we acknowledge? We acknowledge the fact that He is God and that He has spoken and that He is moving and that He is calling, asking us to do something for Him and let Him do it in us as well. We acknowledge that He is God and He alone is the one who works and moves in our life. In John chapter 1, it begins, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the Christmas story we see in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, we see them describe for us how and why Jesus came. In the Gospel of Luke, I mean in the Gospel of Mark, we see Jesus beginning his earthly ministry at the age of 30. And he steps onto the scene out publicly to say, hey, who he is and what he came to do. So much of Mark's gospel is to get people to the cross as quickly as he can. But John, John's different. John was given the task of communicating the life of Jesus to an entire world that is in desperate need of a Savior. And John doesn't begin trying to get us to, to somehow debate or agree that, that Jesus is the Son of God. John begins his gospel with this statement, with the underlying foundation and belief that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. He's existed before time and will exist long after we are gone. And he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, and the, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. To the Jews, to the Jews to say that Jesus, the Word was God was pure blasphemy. To, 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 that's what really what cost Jesus his life. They accused him of being, they said, are you, the, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? And he said, I am. I am. It's exactly as you said. To them, that was blasphemy and worthy of death. To the Greeks and so many of the Gentile people, the fact that God would come in the flesh was completely impossible. And why? Unfathomable that God, who is so great and so awesome and so powerful and so mighty, so much larger than us, so much more powerful than us, that he would somehow demean his nature, his power, his purity, his holiness to come spend time on this planet. To John, to these followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus was simply the word, the gospel, life, eternal life for all who believe. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. John writes, all things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him. And that life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness could not overcome it. 
I love these verses. I think they're so powerful. Life was in him. Life, eternal life was in him. Obviously, John. John is, is, is one of the original 12 disciples. Was probably, when Jesus called, one of the youngest, if not the youngest, of the disciples. Now writing this gospel, John is older. John is experienced. John has lived this life. John has experienced the call of God on his life. He has acknowledged it. And now he is writing this down for us. John really focuses only on seven major miracles of Jesus and seven statements that Jesus made that that begin with, I am. And, and, and it's the seven I am statements tied in with the seven major miracles of Jesus. And he did all of these things. At the end of his gospel, he said, all of these things are written to you so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the son of the living God, and that by believing in him, you would have life in his name. John is acknowledging Jesus as the son of God. Life was in him. And that life was the light of men. It's just an, this whole book is a book of worship of who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. He said, that light, that light, I saw it with my own eyes. It shines in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. All darkness is, is the absence of light. And when the light came into the world in that little town of Bethlehem, in one of the most isolated places in the world, in the darkest time of the night, Jesus entered the world. I think there's so much significance to that moment and what it means for us in the dark, isolated places of life where that light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't handle it. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them. Satan is the God of this world. He's blinded the minds of people so that they will not, cannot believe unless the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Question today, have you acknowledged your need for the Lord Jesus? I mean, let's look back. Let's turn around and look back on 2023. Let's look back on our life. Let's look back on where we have come from. Where are we today? Have you acknowledged your need for Jesus? Number one is your Savior. But number two, have you acknowledged him today as your Lord? To give him everything, to give him your all, to give him your life. Are you willing to acknowledge him today as who he is? More than a man, more than a teacher, more than a, than a, than a holy man. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. Because when God calls, we acknowledge who he is. We accept what he wants us to do. John, the writer of this gospel, is telling us about another John. The John we've talked about with, with the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. They call him John the Baptist. And, and it's not, that was not his denomination, all right? He was not just a, he was not a Baptist. He was John the Baptizer. He was the one that, that went ahead to prepare the way for the Messiah. He was baptizing people, getting them ready for the one 
who would not baptize with water, but with fire, with holiness, with purity, with the blessed Holy Spirit. And here John, the gospel writer, the disciple of Jesus is telling us about John the baptizer, one who didn't just acknowledge who Jesus was. He accepted the call in his life. He came as a witness. He came as a witness. The word witness is used over and over and over again in the Gospel of John because John wants us to be witnesses. He wants us to be more than spectators. He wants us to be participants in this story. So many people today are spectators in the church. So many people today are spectators at, at, at whatever in life. We just don't want to get involved. I mean, so many people today, if I had my phone, I would use it and just show it. To, you know, if, if there's trouble, if something happens, we're quick to pull out our phone and video rather than maybe step in and help. We just don't want to be a part of it. And so we have a spectator mentality and, and Jesus doesn't, doesn't call us to spectate. He calls us to participate. And when you acknowledge, when you acknowledge your need for Jesus, when you acknowledge God's call and you accept that into your life, we get a picture of what that is. John came as a witness to testify. That's what witnesses do. Witnesses testify. They testify about what they have seen and heard. And so that's what John does. You can say, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't read the Bible. I don't know a lot about the Bible. I didn't say you had to. You can, you can be a witness and testify about what you know, about what you have seen, what you have heard, what you have personally experienced. And the more you do that, the more I believe you long for this and the more you desire to have this in your life. And that's what John was. John was a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. But John is quick. John, the writer of the gospel, is quick to tell us about John the baptizer. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. And so, so we, we, have you acknowledged your need for Jesus? Have you acknowledged your need for his grace in your life? And if you do or if you have, have you accepted his forgiveness have you accepted his forgiveness into your life? So many people could say yes to that. So many people could say, yes, I've done that. I did that at Vacation Bible School. Yes, I did that at a revival. Yes, I've done that in a church setting. Yes, I did that with my parents. Yes, I did that here at this place or at that time. But what are you doing with it? I mean, is it just, is it just something you say, something you pray so that you can save it for a rainy day? Is it something that you truly desire to have in your life? It's one thing to, to ask my bride to marry me. It's, it's one thing to just say, will you? Yes. Yes. It's a whole other thing to participate. I, 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 I don't expect this and neither does my bride. They don't, we don't expect each other to spectate a lot. Marriage is a participation game, and we both get to participate in it. But it wouldn't be much of a relationship if it was just one-sided, or if neither of us did anything, if we just expected for the other one to do everything. That's not the way it is. Neither is that the way it is with a relationship with God. And so you may acknowledge, acknowledge that Jesus came. 
But have you accepted the fact that he came for you? See, when God calls, when God calls, we acknowledge. When God calls, we accept. When God calls, we act. We act on what he said. Why? Because that's what Jesus came to do. We found out who Jesus was. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And, and, and the word, that, that, that word came as a light to the world. And so we acknowledge that. Now, do we accept it? Do we, do we take a step out of being a spectator to a participant and we begin to act on it? Because John, the gospel writer, says the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So we see who he is, but now we see what he came to do. Who, who was Jesus? Who is Jesus? And what did, he came, what did he come to this earth to do? He came to bring light into the world. He was in the world. He wasn't spectating over the world. He came into it. He was a participant inside of it. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. The one who created it came to live in it, yet the world didn't recognize him. No one really thought that this could even happen. No one was looking for it. No one was expecting it. Zechariah wasn't. Elizabeth wasn't. Mary wasn't. Joseph wasn't. The disciples, or the, the, the shepherds weren't. The wise men weren't. Herod wasn't. No one was looking for him. And when he came, no, they didn't recognize him. The, the ones closest to him, Mary and Joseph, did. The shepherds, the wise men, people close. But, but, but then 30 years pass, and he lives in relative obscurity. He lived in Egypt some. He was in different places with his family. His father, or, or Joseph, dies, and then he takes over the family business. They didn't, they, they didn't have the technology and capabilities that we have today. They had windstream. And it was terrible, just like us. And so they had no service. And, and so when, when Jesus comes out into, at the age of 30 and he begins to preach and teach and heal, it was like something brand new. And the world didn't recognize him. Even when he gave his life on a cross, there was only a few. When Jesus died and rose again, the number of Christians on the planet only numbered just above a hundred. How, how is that? It, it, he goes on, he says, he came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. They killed him. But John says, but all who did receive him, all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, look at this, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And that word, that word, that existed before time began. That word, in the, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. That word became flesh. It took up residence among us. John said, we observed his glory. We saw it. We saw it with our own eyes. 
It was full of grace and truth. I love that statement, full of grace and truth. You and I are not full of grace and truth. We're full of something. (laughs) I assure you that. But we're not full of grace and truth, not like Jesus. Jesus was perfect in both. You either err on one side or the other. You err more with grace or with truth. Even in certain situations and dealings with people, you err to one side or the other. You're on one aisle or the other. You're more conservative or more liberal. Jesus was perfect, full of grace, full of truth, and he displayed them perfectly. Are you a spectator or are you a participator? Are you a spectator or are you a participant in this game of life? Jesus didn't make you to sit in the stands. Jesus didn't save you or call you to stand on the sidelines. He made you to play the game. So have you acknowledged your need for him? Have you accepted his forgiveness into your life? And finally, are you ready? Are you ready to take your faith to the next level. See, John, John began his relationship with Jesus as a spectator, but he ended it as a participant. In the beginning, he began by watching. He just watched what Jesus was doing. So did the other disciples. But by the end, he was personally experiencing what Jesus came to do. Last week, I I shared a passage from Titus chapter 2. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people. And it instructs us, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust. While we we wait, he says, for for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But then verse 14, verse 14 says that Jesus gave himself for us, for you, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us for himself, a people of his own possession. Here it is, eager to do what is good. Eager to do what is good. I don't know what 2023 has looked like. I don't know what the past of your life has looked like. But I know what today can look like. And I know what 2024 can look like. And as we bring a close to this year, what are you prepared to do for the next year? What do you want your life to be? God can do more than just take you and give you another day. He can change the direction of your life and all of your eternity. The question today is what are you prepared to do? I love the movie The Untouchables. It's about Elliot Ness and his G-men that come into Chicago to try to take down the 
Al Capone empire. The movie with Sean Connery and, and uh, Kevin Costner. It's a great movie. Costner's the young, young Elliot Ness. Sean Connery is the seasoned, aged, kind of crusty old cop that is brought into this team and taught and trained and gave wisdom in so many ways. But near the end of the movie, Connery shot. He's dying on the floor. And, and Elliot Ness finds him in this place. And he grabs Elliot Ness in one of his last moments of life. And he pulls him close. And in moments like that, you're attentive. Chris, you're listening so so hard to hear exactly what they're about to say. And he asked him this question. What are you prepared to do? Are you going to sit on the sidelines and spectate? Or are you going to do what it takes to finish the job? That's the question for you. When God calls, you get to acknowledge, accept, and act on what He does and what He wants you to do. Because God in His grace can move mountains in your life. Let me pray for you today. Father God, thank you for everyone that takes time to join us in these settings to spend time with us, to help to, to, to make this possible with us, Lord, to, to learn, to listen, to grow, and to respond to what you are doing in their life, for their life, and through their life. I pray that this day would not just be the end of a year, but the start of a brand new beginning. Would you take people Move in their hearts, move in their lives, and move mountains in this next year, everywhere they go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a wonderful New Year's.